And we are live once again for another exciting edition of the MCW cast and a live edition at that right here at the Infield Sports Center, wrapping up Baltimore Select Fest 3. And our special guest for this edition of the cast, the man right next to me right now, the big LG, Doc Gallows. It is great to be here. It's great to be at Maryland Championship Wrestling. It's great to be at Maryland Natives Wrestling Five in Maryland. And it's great to correct my co-host. We're just wrapping up Baltimore Celebrity Fest 2, and you guys announced number 3. I'll let you plug it right now. To my right, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jack. I would love to plug it, but I don't have the date, because it's sad. Have the date? Never mind. I watched the whole damn thing. It's okay, because I started us off with a box, so I'm going to recover right now. It's going to be February the 6th, oh, 2022. Here we go. And did he have a building? I know Chad was talking about it, but he have a building secure. We don't have a building just yet, but after the success of this one, I bet you he's going to be looking for a bigger building to harness all of the wrestling pandemonium that was Celeb Fest 2. And I know he wanted to keep it in the Anne Arundel County area, too, so right in the same, same vicinity yeah. he was talking about. Well, anyway, um, I'm, I'm Larry Legend, and of course, we have the heart of MCW, the lovely Tara down there on the end. Hello, everyone. Tara, Tara. <laughs> and I'm Dan McDivitt, MCW promoter. And the big, the big LG was actually a fan I was, I of was. MCW yes. before you broke in the room. Michael's eighth That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm a definite, I'm a big supporter. I was. I broke in so young and I was so green, I was never good enough to get on an MCW card until years later. Uh, but as a kid, we used to drive down here and see the shows, and, and I was very familiar with the Romeo Valentinos and all the brothers from that era that uh, came through Maryland. And, you know, talking about that, think about here today, all the people you know, coming through the state, a lot of them through you. With you got Rich Swan here, you got Mickey James here, started with him on his Lexus 3 when she switched yeah. to your school. So people, Maryland's like a sleeper state. You don't realize how many people have come out of here. There's actually, there's quite a few. There's a lot. But the first time I ever saw you wrestle was for Dick Karakoff's NWL. It was the first independent show I'd ever been to in, I believe, early 1995. And I saw Corporal Punisher. That Dick was, um, he was a good guy, man. He yeah, was, um, he, Tricky Dick. <laughs> he, he's like one of my favorite promoters that I ever wrestled for. Just, it's so, much, so many stories I got him. Um, just about, <laughs> about, um, Dick was like, he was such an honest guy. Yes. You know, he was like, he was, he was such an honest guy. I'll never forget how the, this Clear Springs High School, do you remember that yes, show? Yes, I do. When Jake Roberts didn't oh, show up yeah. and he came out and just basically, he, it just goes into a sermon about Jake finding his demons, but he, and I've never seen anything like it, the re, how it recovered. Do you remember that? When he I don't on? remember that, what the particulars so happened next. He had like yeah. a thousand tickets sold, yes, it was and the, the place was packed, and Jake Roberts was not too far off the TV, so he was a huge star, really hot. Yeah. And it's the people start doing as he says he's not going to be there, but then he tells the people, but it's okay, because he's found Jesus Christ. And he's going to be saved, and, and and then the building starts roaring. What a save! What a save! What a literal save! What a save! And he's like, and he's and he's like, praise Jesus, in Jesus' name, and people are like, ah, yeah, and also no refunds. <laughs> and God puts Blacker Luke. And the, it was fine. He will lick your head for yeah. five American dollars. <laughs> and I was like, how did that happen? How did he do that? That's hilarious. You know, but that was I remember being on the show as a kid, and Dick, I was all excited to see Jimmy Superfly Snoopy. And Dick goes, coming down the aisle from the Fuji Islands, Jimmy, superstar, Snoopy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not it at all, Dick. <laughs> 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 yeah, he was a good dude. Yeah, very much. The, the whole family was the whole family was so wholesome. Like uh, Dick's wife was my cheerleading coach. She was oh, my really? cafeteria wow. lunch lady. Yeah, I'm from Hagerstown. That's cool. <laughs> and uh, Neil Superior was one of my best friends. We went to college together. We worked out together. We lived down the street from each other my whole life. So like I've known that family forever. I was always curious about Neil Superior because I saw him like once or twice, and then all that tragic yeah. stuff happened with him. Yeah. He was he was great. He uh, he and I actually both uh, went to community college and got cert or, uh, pharmacy technician certificates. Oh wow! Yeah, and we were That's working cool. at the same pharmacy at the time. Like he was really trying to think about the next step of his life. You yeah. know, Like once wrestling 
you know, starts to phase out a little bit, getting older or whatever. He was trying right. to think of a career to do afterwards, and we both were pursuing it together. But yeah, just well, a, a great family. Yeah. Did you, did you train there with the school? No, think so buddies that graduated high school a few years ahead of me and they trained there and they would go do the Tuesday nights. A little known secret about me was nobody ever trained. I, right. I was in play in college at Fairmont State in West Virginia and I had a small independent there called Mason Dixon Wrestling. And I just started hanging around asking to help set the room and stuff. And it was a really small promotion. didn't have a lot of great guys in there. And I was so damn big they just gave me a mask and some tights and like night two I was in the Battle Royal. Right. And I think we set the ring up for one week. And me, I'm an 18-year-old me, and like this 42-year-old guy named Luscious Lance who was pursuing pro wrestling during his midlife crisis. Right. <laughs> uh, him and I went in there and really, really taught each other the ropes. Right? each other <laughs> diamond cutters and stuff like that. So that was my formal training. So three years later, when I got to when I got to WWE, they're like, wow, we're gonna teach you the basics. Huh? Like, yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> That's wild. So you, so you didn't? Did you do a lot of the interviews? I did a ton. Yeah. I did a ton of it, like, you know, not being disrespectful. The joke back then was I didn't. I wasn't like an indie guy. I was a shindy guy. Right. Like I would go deep down into West Virginia and like wrestle with burnout furniture stores and stuff. But I mean, two or three nights a week you could wrestle. Like, drive to Tennessee. Right. Drive to North Carolina with the fake Vader, big slam Vader. Big slam. Oh yeah. yeah. So that was uh, big slam. Would rent the ring and wrestle the main event. That would be the heel. Did a big slam match, stuff like that. One of my favorite big slams, there was a, me and Axel and all were, were wrestling for cue ball um, down in, in oh, Atlanta, Virginia. What was that called? Did that building cue ball? Secret Cove? Yeah, Secret Cove. I heard a lot of cue ball. I moved to New Jersey for a while with a tutelage of big slam and cue ball. It wasn't a great life decision, but it, I saw a lot of brother stuff going on. Right. I was there. Yeah, he, um, so. Boss, and we were really—he hooked us up with the promoter down there, and the, they had like a thousand people at this school, and it was in the late nineties. And um, hot. wrestling's hot, and the poster said Rhodes versus Vader. <laughs> Tell me, it was like Terry Rhodes versus Vince. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. And I remember being on the show oh and. Just they they never like when they came out. You could tell the people were like, "This isn't what we paid for." Because at the time, and, and Slam used to get Slam used to get so mad about it. Too. Oh like, yeah, you're not him. So yeah, yeah. it's cool. I called Leon's wife so I could do the gimmick. I'm, I'm, I'm 19 and I know that's a lot. It's very it's very clear that the people that are here were were not expecting Terry Rhodes first. Big Slam Vader. They were clearly expecting Vader versus Dustin Rhodes. Right. Only in pro yeah. wrestling that things yeah. like this continue to happen. Like when I started in West Virginia, they were like, this is Playboy Buddy Rose. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> Playboy Buddy Rose is 100 pounds heavier and he's dead. Right. And they're like, well, don't say that you don't know it's him. And I'm like, you guys just pretend like it is so we can do this? And I was like, well, you know, he's really helping us out, getting sponsors and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. wow. And then I remember when I got released from WWE the first time. I go to a show in North Carolina. It's a big show. It was, they go, Batista's going to be here. Um, Batista and then Luke Gallows. Oh boy, here we go. Well, they did not get Batista. They got Jay Batista. He's <laughs> <laughs> a very nice guy, but he looks like if you just like poked Batista with a needle and he went... <laughs> like when you deflate a whoopee cushion, that yeah. was the Batista we were given. It wasn't the greatest Batista bone I've ever seen, but hey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a, and it's amazing. It, it's stuff like that is so cheap that even you know, being when I was younger in the business and you're just excited to be a part of it, you go, man, this is so cheap that I can't even believe you're someone's actually going to do this. And I can't believe that they'll do it and like face people and go, yeah, yeah. no, that's me. Yeah. There's so like, man, like how many doing the clowns have there been? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you know, you can get away with it. My first indie well, show. Well, sure, you can get away with it. Doing Star? I remember <laughs> Russian assassin number two, Bob Star, and doing the clown wrestler for sure. He did one. <laughs> Brian Holhouse, who's around here somewhere, who drives, who drives a lot of the guys to the shows, guys and girls to the shows, and he does timekeeping for us. He 
brand new. Oh, this yeah. is a guy that has never had, yeah. he never, he's been around, never had a single day training, and Tom Brandy, I think it was like Tom Brandy had the doink outfit. <laughs> Mike Lola wouldn't wear it, so. Well, but like Mike Lola, or whatever, was the doink that he had, I guess, wasn't um, able to go. He wasn't up to doink stairs. So it's like a thousand, thousand people. Cushion, yeah. uh, a thousand people. At a, at a fair show, and he guess he was getting a couple hundred bucks from the promoter for doing. So he tells Brian, bro, oh, you're doing, you're doing. You know, and Brian had, a, had one professional match, probably the worst match in the history this of This is an amazingly great story. And, uh, you gotta ask him about it. You gotta ask him about it. And, and, he, and he went out in front of a thousand people and wrestled. And doing it. That's amazing. awesome. I'll tell you, you're <laughs> That's his best story about it. Is when he was walking to the back and the people, he said that this, he's like there was these kids and ladies like venomously like <laughs> you're not no <laughs> these people wanted to like they were just furious. Here's one. Yeah. Here's one you like. I saw I'm, I'm, I'm in the tutelage of Slam and Kickoff. I'm in heaven in Jersey. So Tom Brandy's running outside of Philadelphia, whatever town is from there. And again, it's a big Catholic high school. They got Snuka. They got Tito Santana. It's packed. It's Tom's there. Of course, Tom's doing South Sincere and the Patriot. Yes. So he comes up and he's like, hey, kid, uh, I'm going to sort this money out on the paydays, but I can't miss out on the Polaroids for the Patriot. So guess who puts on the Patriot tights, boots, jackets, masks? Because I'm all tan and oily, you know what I mean? So like, he's like, just keep the jacket on so it's in the tat. I'm like, yeah, cool. What do I say and do? He's like, don't worry. i got someone up there working for you. But it's entering pictures. So it's going okay, I'm not really saying much, I'm just doing things I've seen Tom do. And this woman comes up, she's like, Tom, I haven't seen you since high school. And 19 year old me is like, uh, So it ended like, after I don't respond to anything she says, and the kid gets a picture, like, it went from Tom, I haven't seen you in high school. You mother effing son of a blah blah blah. I get the back, I was like, Tom, you saw a lot of pictures of this very angry woman out there, and I don't want to do that. You should have smartened her up, brother. You should have smartened me up. I don't know what I'm doing. That is, is that, is that, that's where a lot of this like comes from some of the other characters. Oh, of course. Because yeah, I came up around wrestling like that. Yeah. Like, I remember being on a show with Wayne Landell in Cherokee, North Carolina. He still talked to me about Wayne Landell. And the first thing I looked at Big Sun, I said, why, why is he asleep standing up? Okay, he took too many pills. I was like, oh, sweet. So we're signing autographs in the flea market. Big life. <laughs> Slam the door in the building. That was you can imagine. Uh, and, uh, we're in the ring, it's in this Indian, like Native American reservation where we're wrestling them, we're getting beat on them, laying down, reaching for the hot tag. It's outdoors, and we see Buddy Lindo grab the money box and start sprinting. Slam goes, the hell with the match, kid, let's go! So I just roll out of the ring off of this full cell where I'm reaching for the tag, we're chasing Buddy Lindo, he gets in the car, we do this high speed chase and get it to the McDonald's where we originally met him at. And Slam, you remember how big Slam yeah. really was. He's yeah. a 450 pound brother. And he's chasing Buddy Landell. Buddy Landell's scooting over tables and stuff. And he goes, you got me, you got me, okay? I'll pay you guys, just don't say where you saw him. I'm like, you're two miles from the show at the only McDonald's in Sierra Carolina. You're gonna hide out in here. He smashed the, the box He smashed the, the box for the door. But we ended up getting, you know, I got my 20 bucks. So Slam got one of his He did get it, but yes. <laughs> Wow, what a story. Yeah. Q ball, one of my favorite Q ball stories is um, you know how he wasn't, he didn't have a lot of like personality in the ring, you know, and facial expressions and stuff like that. Where was the character outfit? <laughs> we're in Cape Hatteras, North Carolina for a show he was putting on, and um, <laughs> it was, he was wrestling Earl the Pearl. Yes, I remember. Remember? So there is some rambling wretch. There's some drunk guy the whole show. Um, and the guys get more and more drunk, and then and Q-Ball's telling us, like, watch, I'm going to get this guy fired. And he's telling us in the back, like, I'm going to get this guy fired up. I'm going to get him to bury this guy. <laughs> so he does, and he buries him. He's dropping all these, like, metal maniac jokes on him, right? And I'm talking oh, Chevy Dummy. Yeah. And um, at one point, <laughs> he has Q-Ball has a Earl of Pearl in, the, in, a, in a camel clutch. And he's yelling at the guy, saying, you know, tell him, like, you ain't gonna do nothing, you're a sister. So that dude, this drunk guy, gets up, gets in the ring, and we're watching, like. Is he still in the camel clutch? He's still in the camel clutch, and q ball's talking to him, and we're, like, watching in the back, like. You gotta get oh, out of here and try to submit the hiler. Slaps the shit out of him. Out of q -ball. 
right in the face. Gets, oh, gets out of footage of Easton. Gets out of the ring and sits down. Sits down in the front row. Nobody does anything. Nobody does anything. And you all like never flinch. Just sat there in the camera clutch with him. That is this guy. You know what an underrated story. We're dying in the back. It's one of those things where like we're all watching and you we have just to, ate the slap. He just ate the slap. Ate the slap. Did he actually? And put that. You know what I mean? Where? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, this guy's totally crying. Totally pumped. Totally pumped. And. Uh, and yeah, and he, and he gets back in the back, and and, um, and then he's like, hey, is somebody going to get that guy out of here? <laughs> like, no, we're crying. Surely you're not going to do it, you. Like, because the guy just totally pumped. He has, like, my favorite well, that's, football That's pretty amazingly awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's something else, man. That's not something there. Yeah. So you drew on a lot of your experiences coming up through the ranks of pro wrestling from your characters. I, the first time I ever saw you was when it was the, the Festus deal. And Festus. The, yeah, where, where, where'd that come from? You know, uh, we were. I had a, a gimmick called the Freaking Bacon that they really liked, and I had this tarantula, and I would beat the guy, and I had things going on, crazy hair, and do all this. Thing. Beat my opponent, and I dropped the tarantula, and they loved it. And so we figured out that you couldn't get a like tame tarantula in the city, and at the time you couldn't travel or fly with the tarantula, and so it killed the gimmick. So I was like, oh, no, I don't know. And at the time they had Henry Godwin, and then they had with Terry Gordy's son, who later becomes Jesse, and they were like the new Godwins or something. And then Henry, who was an awesome guy, he had like, some personal issues that would leave the company, so they still wanted these new Godwins. So they tried out all these guys to be the with and I was like, I could do that. So I just watched like the Redneck Comedy Tour, all the ones that I could like find on DVD, and I went in and did a couple promos. And okay, so we're gonna debut as like pig farming. Nobody is Jesse and Festus. And we were in the ring, uh, talking about what we're going to do in our debut on SmackDown. And Vince wants to see his office. It was like 20 minutes before doors. And I was like, I mean, are we getting fired before we even started this? Yeah. 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 So we go in, and like Vince sits us down. He's like, we're not going to have any more pink fingers. I'm fine. Yes, sir. What, what is it? And Vince makes like, can you do this? And he just sticks his tongue out at me. And I go, I think so, sir. 23 years old. I stick my tongue out. It's not like that, like this. So Vince and I are just sitting for five minutes sticking our tongues out at each other back and forth. And Ray Gordy's like, eyes are just big. Probably because that's it. You're going to be a catatonic state at all times. Until the bell rings, you'll go crazy with your rage. Then bell ring again, you'll return to a catatonic state. I know a guy in high school like that. I'm like, that's a picture. <laughs> what kind of high school did you get to? Somebody, and I'm part of it, but uh, then he looks at Cordy and he's like, you, what's your favorite color? And Ray hasn't said anything the whole meeting. He goes, uh, yellow? And he goes, all right, buy a yellow signal, you'll be his hand, we'll start next week. And we're like, that's how it happened. So that's how I became best. That's funny. Yeah. That's how stuff like that happens. It was just whatever was in his mind that day. Yeah. It created a gimmick, which I bought my first house off of. And like, on TV. Right, because you guys were there for, you know, you were there for a little bit. Yeah, it was like, Festus was like two years, and then I, then I went home for six months and dropped some weight, and then went straight out of stuff. Right. And then how long was that? How long was that? Uh, so that, that was only like, Year and a half, maybe it wasn't a very long time. 2007. 2007. 2007. 2007. Yeah, and then 2009. Before that, I was the fake cane. That could be That's actually. I was going to ask you about that, but we. I was 22 when I did that. I was twenty two. Was that was that your first thing there? That was my first TV stuff. Was doing that. Oh, so actually, I saw you as the fake cane. Just didn't know it was you. Yeah, yeah. You saw a guy with a terrible wig and suit. Yeah. Yeah. You wore. Like his mask and everything, right? Yeah, like yeah. they sent him down to Deep South, was the building I was in, and uh, like he just taught me all of his stuff. And then all the guys hated me, like Kofi, and then hated my buddies, like Mike Knox. There was like a crew of them. We did secret cane training, so it was all like this cane thing. So, like, we would do this hard practice, like, some power plant style, Joe Jones and Flat Heart Squats, all this bumping. Then the, the, the cane practice crew had to stay behind and, like, just eating choke slams, tombstones, clotheslines off the top rope for like two hours. They were just getting murdered. I'm so sorry. Once I start making more money, I'll buy you on the Just preparing for that. Right, just for that. So, and then it was just a 
promoted the movement. It was, like a, it was like a month we did the match. I went over for some reason and beat him with his own finish. And then the next night he just like beats the hell out of me overall and throws me out the door. And then <laughs> that's the end of it, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that is that's a trip down memory lane and yeah. education for me. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Were you hired fifteen years ago? Were you hired specifically for that or you got no, the job? No, I got, I got the job and I was doing like the deacon. I was still really green. Really, you know? I, I got hired when I was twenty one. This is when I was, this was like they came up with it like seven months ago. They were like, You're gonna be Kane, you're gonna work with him. I was like, What? Yeah. <laughs> and then they sent me on the road, so I would do developmental, I'd go do house shows, and I'd just be the freaking deacon, I'd just wrestle there, and, you know, like learn his kind of right. And this, is, this was after Tough Enough, right? Yeah, Tough Enough was 04. Okay. Like, yeah. Oh, so is that, that how they saw you? you did I, <laughs> I got Johnny Ace's phone number when I did Tough Enough, because I got eliminated like the second day. The first day I did great. The second day, the, uh, the drawstring on my gym shirt. I'm going through this hard obstacle course in Madison Beach. All the WWE agents, Fifth Finley, Art Anderson, Dean Lanko, Johnny Ace, all these dudes you look up to, you're trying to impress them. And Bill and Mom wouldn't pull my shorts up. So my shorts came down, you have to army crawl with this fake tripwire thing that's insane, so Madison Beach. So my shorts are coming down, so I keep stopping and pulling them up. Because if you pull your shorts up one more time, you're eliminated. I crawled out of the shorts. And the underwear. <laughs> you go on the thing and you got 25 push-ups. So I'm just going in with the same. Oh, right. Terrible. Oh my God. It's like on the blooper of the DVD. Yeah. Is it really? It's insane, yes. But that's how like they saw me. And then, of course, they couldn't forget how funny that was. Of course. That yeah. ended up helping me in the long run. But I got Johnny's card. And, like, you definitely shouldn't do it. I called him every week. Like, hey, what's up? It's Drew Hanks. He's tough enough. The kid is best fellow. Anyway, you guys are going Hi, young stud, about 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> I think he just would pop it up and do it. Yeah. And I'd send him my matches for the weekend. I was going up in Jersey, Carolina's all over with Slam and stuff. And then one day he needed bodies for the deep south. I think he hired to send stuff on his phone. Right. And it ended up working out. <laughs> wow. Well, look, uh, we're getting into the nitty-gritty of a lot of things, but we do need to hit pause for internet station identification. Oh, yes. So we're going to take a brief break, and we're going to be right back here with more of the CW cast and the Big LG Top Cowboys. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the MCW Cast. At MCW Pro Wrestling, much like many small businesses throughout the country, the pandemic has presented many challenges. For a company like ours that hosts events with live audiences, the impact has been even more severe, and all of our forms of revenue have been cut off. In order to continue to engage with our fans on a regular basis, we made the decision to begin to produce the MCW Cast and are providing it for absolutely no cost on Facebook Live, Twitch, YouTube, and SoundCloud. If you'd like to support us during these challenging times, you can do so in several ways. The most popular way is to buy us a coffee to help fuel the cast. Just go to buymeacoffee.com backslash mcwcast, and for just $3, you can buy the cast a coffee, or you can choose to become a member of the cast for just $5 a month and receive several special perks. That's buymeacoffee.com backslash mcwcast. You can also contribute directly on Cash App, MCW Wrestling or on Venmo, MCW-Wrestling. You can also show your support for the MCW cast while sporting some great gear by going to teespring.com backslash stores backslash MCW cast to pick up a full line of official MCW cast merchandise from coffee mugs and face coverings to t-shirts and sweatshirts. Also, don't forget to comment in the threads on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch to get your questions answered on a future episode and you can also send us a tweet using the hashtag AskMCWCast. Thank you for your support. And now, back to the show. All right, and we are back here live from Celeb Fest 2. Thank you for joining us. I wanted to point out we didn't talk about it first at the at the beginning of the hour, but we are here with a live audience, which we don't usually do. We're usually in studio, and we do have our VIP uh, people who came today to check out CelebFest. So I want to say thank you for joining us here Thanks. live. Thanks and we appreciate that and we appreciate your support. And of course, if you're listening to the podcast, you are checking that out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, CastBox, and of course, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. So thank you for that. Okay. I got all the business and out of the way. If you love this podcast, which I know you're doing today, can't get enough of my amazing stories every Sunday morning wherever you listen to podcasts a brand new talking shop will drop with myself Rocky Romero and the machine gun Carl Anderson 
Uh, it is not a PG podcast, but we are having a good time, so please tune in. Hey, speaking of your partner, um, at what point did you guys, you and Carl, hook up? So I was uh, I was in TNA, old school TNA at the time, doing aces and eights deal. I signed a one year deal with an option on it. Option was for a raise, and I got in a fight with the office because they're like, we want to keep you. It was gonna uh, move me into singles, and they had some cool ideas, but they didn't want to give me the raise. So we started butting heads about that. And I'm like, it's what it says, you guys have to do it. So I heard there was an opening in New Japan. So actually, Scott Demore, who's my boss now, was my agent for the New Japan deal. And uh, I started talking to them. I met Carl like twice. Everybody's like, you guys are gonna love each other if you're ever together. And it's funny to hear him tell the story because he was getting ready for a big singles run there. They, they brought they brought me in, put us in the tag league together, and he's like, "What the hell, man!" Like I was about to get my big push, but then we clicked immediately, and then we ended up they changed the finish, we won the whole tournament, and then we came back. In my second tour, we won the IWGP Tag Team titles in Tokyo, and then Bullet Club was like off and running from there. So right. it was like a stepbrothers moment. Like we, we did the first match in Corken Hall. We had a really cool match. We got done. Gator the Booker loved it. He's like, "Hey, man, do you like Mexican food?" I was like, "Yeah." Do you like beer? Yeah. Come to my sponsor. Yeah. It's like three hours later, we looked at each other like, do we just become best friends? Want to do karate in the garage? Because I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Start rearranging your furniture right, so right, you have exactly. more room for activities. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, so, you guys got together with a bullet club because I wasn't following. Yeah, so they, following. They, they formed it, I guess, it was, it was Finn Balor, Tama Tonga. Ella Fale, Carl Anderson, like in whatever July of that year. Then the Young Bucks came in October, they joined in October, then I came in November, I joined in November. Then it started really blowing up. And then I guess maybe a year later, AJ was leaving TNA and Finn was wanting to go to WWE. So those guys didn't really know AJ, but I knew AJ from He's a Georgia guy like I am now, and uh, and being a TNA guy, I knew how awesome he was, obviously. Probably one of the best that we're doing, but also what a good duty was. So, and he came over there, and I was like, "Listen, guys, I love this guy. He's a total team player." And uh, then it just kept rolling. Yeah, it was. It was like I, I wasn't following and following the Japan stuff, but it was like all of a sudden, I think like you turn around and there's like Bullet Club in like in the mall, Bullet Club T-shirts in the mall, and it's like, man, what you know? We it was do. just all for something like that. Say wasn't on mainstream like WWE right. television right. Right? Yeah, to we, become. Really cool, and I think we realized that not to cut you off, but we were the, the tours got longer because business really picked up for us. We spent a lot of time, I was doing 35 weeks a year when I left home, and it was two months of time. We ended up leaving all of us, but um, but we were there on an off day, so we were in the Tokyo Dome Hotel, and they were gonna get WrestleMania at the, at the New Japan Dojo, which they just remodeled. It was a nice place, we're gonna have a big meal for the boys. So we were over to hang out and watch it. I started seeing all these Bullet Club shirts in the crowd at WrestleMania. Because we're in Japan, so we're kind of closed off from it. We're like, oh, dude, this is a real thing. And then from there, the momentum picked up. And then they, I remember they put the shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees, and the website like, immediately crashed because yeah. they sold so many shirts. And we're like, oh, now. Then when we would come home and do appearances and stuff, like, well, this is a new level that none of us had experienced to that point. You know? So it was cool. Yeah, and things just kind of took off from there. Yeah, I remember I was working with uh, ROH at the time, and they jumped all in on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Before you knew yeah, it, it was yeah. a new Bullet Club version yeah. of the t-shirt coming out every month yeah, and, and, and selling and, out. And it's yeah. funny, because they're still off. I mean, that shirt, the first one came out in like 14, maybe. Yeah, they're still like, well, I got one on right now. It's my own personal uh, bootleg. You can get those on my table here at Baltimore Fest or Epsilon. <laughs> oh, that's right. You, you know you made it when bootlegs are coming out. You right. know? Well, everybody had it something. Right, right, yeah. Everywhere you went, every indie show, everybody had yeah, everybody, everybody was yeah. doing it, yeah. It's funny, too, because the, the, the skull thing, like, they did that off of a face paint or just one pipe. The guy came and they drew that, and then it was the shirt. I was like, yeah, let him paint my face again one time out of about 150 that I did. <laughs> it, it gave birth to that cool design that I you know, still see the movie. Hey, I had a cool, uh, well, something I kind of wanted to ask you about. Is it true that uh, with Hangman Page getting inducted into the Elite, they really wanted to continue on with like you being Doc Gallows, like, you know, the, the executioner kind of, and they wanted to keep that kind of theme going of like, you know, Hangman Page? Uh, or, I, I don't know. 
per se, but I could, I could see that. Even if we were already gone, and I knew that I saw who started doing it, but I also said at that time, like, they wanted me to bring a noose to the ring and stuff, and they were like, guys, I don't know. And then they called him Hangman, and I was like, you guys got away from it, it was done. Why are we doing this right now? Yeah, I, I always... But the culture's different there, the wrestling culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so yeah. They, they like that. That's old school. That's right. Memphis old yeah, school. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was just like, it's a little problematic in this day and age. It's 2014, guys. Maybe, you know, maybe I carry a bat or something. Well, you've had certainly a lot of different gimmicks over the years. Like, do you have a favorite? Yeah, you know what I do. Like, yeah. You, you've got to list them all along. Like, what's your favorite? Honestly, like, now, it's more being me than ever. Yeah. It happened in Japan where, like, they're not so character driven. Everything we did there, like other than the uh, steel, we pretty much came up with it on our own. I think that's why Bullet Club did it. They didn't script it for us. They didn't need that. So what we do in America, like a fired up American style promo, it was really different there. And then if you could go and back it up in the ring, and rather respect the Japanese audience. But then, you know, we started our podcast over there, and we started making these little movies, and Ludo was making Taco Chopper Mania after we left WWE this last time. And just like, being able to show your real personality is cool. So it's my favorite. You know, it took 19 years or however long it took to get there. Being able to be yourself is pretty cool. Just yeah, I feel like I first got a taste of you uh, with Vine. Remember Vine? The six second uh, like, that, that little videos. That was our idea. We are going to make Vine cool again for about three months. Yeah, well, <laughs> for a while we got cool again. <laughs> for a while there, you, you had me glued to it. Uh, who makes the best grilled cheese? The Dallas makes the best grilled cheese. <laughs> I played it so many times over and over again. That was my son and I. Yeah. Who <laughs> makes the best grilled cheese? Daddy makes the best grilled cheese. That's right. <laughs> Did you want to? Do you want to ask? Yeah, actually, I wanted to, to see. Do we have any fans that have any questions for our guest? All right, come on up here, Doctor D. The question is, can I have the light up Mickey James glasses? <laughs> Well, I just wanted to ask, um, uh, um, when y'all were, when you were in WWE with uh, Jesse, what what happened to the Dalton? Uh, question is, why did they drop the Dalton in Jesse and Festus? Je the Daltons were the, uh, that was the last name of the Hick Farmer brothers, because we weren't going to be the Godwins, but then we were the Godwin. So we were, originally I was Justice Dalton, then we changed it to Festus Dalton, Jesse and Festus Dalton. And there's one program that came out of the world. Got overalls on and the whole like Henry and Phineas and uh, like we did like one loop like this and put it in there and then after that they dropped the news Jesse and Festus. Which I always thought was a really funny there are a lot of cool one word wrestling names, but when you break up Jesse and Festus, it's kinda of hard when you're coming down the aisle. Jesse. And then like <laughs> right, 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 right. Right. here he is Sean. Good question, Don. Anybody else? No. Oh, here we go. Come on in. Here we go. Represent the GWC. Oh, there we go. I like that. Producer with a big run in making the system. Thank dream? you, John. Well, what would be your dream opponent? Tell me that face Uh, Well, she and I get this question a lot when we do media. I would love to have Carl and I wrestle the Rock and Roll Express in their prime on a stage. And he always says Stone Cold the Rock and Wrestle right here for the painting, which I would not deny the painting. Because <laughs> you know what would be good. That'd be a pretty classic dream match right there. Yeah. Any other questions from our VIPs? This is your opportunity to talk to them. Big LD Doc. So along that same vein, uh, has there been somebody that you've worked over the years that maybe you didn't think would be a great match and it turned out to be great or they were a, just a, a blast to work it's with? It's funny because like, I had a lot of matches like that when I was festless. A lot of it was because like, back then they were just teaching like, young and aggressive, so we were beating the hell out of each other a lot of the time. And, uh, I wrestled Vladimir Kozlov's and I was green. He was really green. They had just they were really pushing you go back and watch it, I mean, we're just hammering the crap out of each other all the time, but it came off beautiful. I mean, it was really cool to be back. So that was one where I was like, oh, we'll see how this goes. And it was actually out of being like one that I really liked and the numbers. That's So they're kind of, I see you, like the impact in AEW mm -hmm. getting together, kind of an opportunity. It's, 
I guess um, it's, I think this is good, it's good for the rest of them. Oh man, I think it's. Wouldn't you agree, Dan? Like I, I say this when we do these impact videos. Think about it. There are more American professional wrestlers contracted and making a living, a very good one, a lot of them, out of the professional wrestling business than has been at any time in history. Yeah, and even when time. WCW was bloated, like because. You think about it, you got ROH, you got Impact, you got the massive AEW roster, the massive WWE roster, you got the NWA contract with talent now, and then you see like it's cool to see wrestling in Monica, and you guys are gonna fill this building up here to make a show with high quality performers that you're probably gonna be faced with in a year or two, you're gonna have to replace because they'll probably be moving on and get one of these opportunities. That's, right. that's the natural progression and that's that's why, you know, unofficially you guys are a, a feeder to a lot of these mm-hmm. companies. Yeah, I, I just, I think what AEW, like, I guess, you know, Tony Khan kind of opened the door to it where he's also allowing, like, talent to do now. There was, today there was several AEW people scheduled, but they had to pull because they had to change to the live tonight. Um, but for the most part, him allowing, like, his guys and girls that are on TV getting over and, and becoming stars to come do our shows and do, do other indie shows, it's, it helps it, the whole wrestling, the whole wrestling community, you know, and, um, and it's something like WWE had cut off years ago, like, going into the pandemic, there was a point me and Dennis would talk, but there was like, there's nobody, it's, we're, it's getting to a point where there's nobody we can get as stars to bring in to the shows because Ring of Honor had tied people up, AEW was tied, and it was like AEW and WWE were grabbing everybody. And it was like, there's no one that we can get, and it's like, it's gonna choke the Indies out. Like, we're either gonna have to have shows where we do the best that we can with our talent, and and, and, and any talent we can get, or it's gonna end up choking a lot of Indies out that may not be able to grow. It it really is a promoter depend on that. You do, and and it ended up, Negative, but positive came out of it for the whole wrestling business. You gotta, you gotta give so much credit to Tony too. Like getting to be around him for the last almost year now and everything. He's such a fan of professional wrestling. And like he's like I am. Like you guys sit in the chairs. Like he'll go, man, it would be super awesome if we could get this guy and then bring this guy who would never see together and have this dream match. You know what I mean? Like who would have ever imagined two complete different genres of how we do this art form that you're going to see Chris Jericho wrestle Nick Gage primetime television on TNT but stuff like that makes it so cool and so different like when we first ran out and jumped the rail there people were shocked to see like they knew that we weren't in WWE anymore they knew we were over at Impact and then like it's been cool there's been so much of that since we did it and the influx of new talent like you said being able to bring these guys out to the regional shows and do stuff like like what we were talking about when I used to come to this show or go to the Caricom shows when I was like a young teenager, you can see King Kong Bundy on Superstars on Saturday morning. It was great, right. but then he's going to be in Kaiser, West Virginia tonight. We can go see him for ten bucks. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, and that, and we and that was you know back in the late nineties when we were we were running and, and WWE was like that because like the headbangers, you know, right? They, they were always doing Maryland. Yeah, cause they, they, they they were with us before they got signed, and we were tight with Glenn and Chaz, and then. After they won, they were tag team champions. And WWF tag team champions. And they came over. Yeah, yeah and did, and did uh, one or two of our shows. And Matt and Jeff um, Hardy, like yep. once after they had signed, they continued to let them come do our stuff for a while. So, and then all of a sudden, everything changed. And then it, you know, and, and, and I, I did hear this drop anything here, but I mean, I know at one point there was a, there was a philosophy in WWE, which I hated hearing when I was working there that. They basically wanted to get through all the Indies and have everything been self-produced through them. This was before AEW had officially launched, and that was kind of the plan. Like, they would try to buy, like, Sacred Bomb, for example. I don't know if that's one of them, but they probably tried. But luckily, these people held out and said no, and then AEW happens, and now we're seeing it's fruitful for everybody again, which is really important, because if it's a monopoly, we all know it's boring. It's the largest thing college. Yeah, and, and and it's funny because that's you could me as a promoter, you could see it going in that direction yeah. where they were just trying to tighten the news and contract anybody. This is the lifeblood yeah. grassroots of what pro wrestling is. It yeah. has to have 
Yeah. It's, it needs a function. Where do you, where do you get people? From? It was like the minute, and, and Leo was, Leo Rush, our kid, was a part of that when he got signed. You know, he was just getting some buzz put on him. Grab him. It, yeah, and boom. It's like, as soon as they get a little bit of buzz Don't on let him, let them develop. Grab him. Grab him, and we'll make them the way we want them. We'll make them the way we want them. They're all going to be the same. It's just, it's like I remember when I first signed, too, like a couple years before that. Like, Everybody that came out of OVW looked like they were ready to step on a bodybuilding stage. They all wore trunks. They all had the same haircut. It was just like it was like a meat factory. But there's nothing, you know, there's something substance. creative. Or, like Darby yeah. Allen would have never had a job. I was right? just going to say his Darby name. Allen yeah. would have never got a chance. So it's, it's so good that that'll change. It made wrestling better. You know? Yeah, like a guy like Orange Cassidy, exactly. with that kind of gimmick. Like, they can't, you know, with the different promotions and you know the the ability of indies to reach a global market through streaming sources now exactly. you can have all kinds of different people like they don't all have to be you know six foot six sorry no, <laughs> but you know but you know big muscle down men exactly people, you know right. there's a hundred different and that's another good point like you can stream anything you want from anywhere like when we i didn't realize how in depth fight tv was until i put my self-made backyard wrestling pay-per-view on there and i, I got like the fight pass I was like, dude, you can watch wrestling that's going on in China right now. You can watch wrestling that's in Africa right now. You can watch all this obscure stuff. You can see indies from around the country. I didn't know this guy was still working. Let me click on that. It's, it's really cool because now we have access to all of that. And it's, it's great for shows like this, too, because it's gonna, they'll live on forever. You know? And as a promoter, you have that extra revenue stream, which helps build the business and keep it going and thriving. You know, it's, it's helped us and mine in Georgia, too. So do we think that eventually, with the, the way things are going right now, like, look at someone like John Moxley, he's the GCW champion right think, now. Think about that. Yeah. That's what I mean. Do you think WWE will eventually start to get back to those days of letting, like, no. you know, the Right, I don't think so. so I think, I think, and hey, you know, I got a lot of friends at WWE, and I'm glad WWE exists, because that's why a lot of some fans, but they're going to do it their way, and that's going to be it. We just saw that with NXT. Yeah, they killed their own model because the man in charge they didn't like it very much. Yeah. So Over late, went from black and gold to yeah, multi I mean, a, a serious change. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's well, like, we just signed those massive contracts, and then the pandemic hit, and they did all those cuts. But the reason the contracts got so huge to begin with was to fight off AEW, and it did not work. <laughs> and even guys who got like, fired, they went there and got hotter. Or they're right. left on their own accord, uh -huh. but they're got hotter. Yeah. It helped. Yeah. So, what do you see for like a long, like five years out, ten years out, like for WWE? Like, do you think they're going to lose that kind of stronghold they have on the business? Who knows? Because WWE's like regular brothers, right? They're, they're like the face of the pro wrestling business, and they're always going to grab the cash out for them. I, I like Roman Reigns personally a lot. I was reading an interview he did today, and he was basically saying, like, we're going to do it all day, and we want the casual fan, and I guess that they probably on the inside, even though, you can say what you want, they feel the heat from it. But they feel like that everyone else who doesn't just watch them, we're this weird, hardcore fan base. But I think what you're looking over is the fact that that weird, hardcore fan base, all of us, are growing larger and larger and larger, and now you and I, who grew up fans as kids, we have an entertainment dollar and we want to spend it on wrestling. It doesn't just have to be on It's right. say we have a choice. It's cool. And, and, and me too, I, you know, I'm a mid-40s wrestling fan um, that really has had, I really haven't watched WWE in years. It couldn't, but I actually watch AEW. Like, I watch Dynamite. It's, it's a fun watch, show. You know, yeah, it's, it is. It, it's, it's captured my attention. I haven't watched wrestling in years. Not, yeah, and I think it's cool too. Like they're not afraid to like put some of these awesome veterans and legends on TV, like because you know the movie has just this entertainment mentality. But I feel like wrestling has always been on the fringe of that anyway. Like, they might say that some of those guys they, they, don't, they look too old to be on TV, but to us as fans, we don't care about that. Oh. We're gonna bring on one of these. We're gonna bring on a four horseman and have them on television. I'm a huge fan. I think it's cool. It's the lineage of wrestling. It's the history of why we're all into it, why we follow it. And you're telling a story, you're coming back to something from 20 years before. Yeah. You know, seeing a team like 
FTR, there's a total throwback, and then you know, always going, oh, that'd be cool if they had like Tully or something. And then they do it, yeah, it's yeah. cool. And Tully's out there throwing shots. Oh, that's what you get. You know? Tully's like, like, awesome. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and then you get a whole new crop of fans because you get the guys who watch that as kids, they and then they bring their kids. And then here, Jake Roberts you know, got a promo, and they go, yeah. oh, just like right. we did when we were eight. You know? right. Yeah, right. I think they're real good with taking those things and, and kind of inserting them in how they yeah. should be. I did too. You know, how, how they should be put in. They're, they're, um, they're picking their spots right now. It's so. good. It's been really good. Man. So let's just all hope the momentum continues for all of them. I think it's a great time in wrestling for fans and wrestlers. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. It's, 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 um, you, you definitely, you can see that there's a tide. Yeah, you know, for, tide sure, for sure. For sure. You, you can feel it. And, it, and I feel like it was going to happen a little bit anyway when the world opened back up. But I feel like it's even more than people expected. Because you guys are excited to come see us. We're excited to come perform for you. Like, everybody's been missing that void. So... It's cool. It's a, it's a really good time. Around. I well, hope the pandemic dies. Off, so I, <laughs> I have a lot of like non wrestling fans, and they've been watching Heels. Have you watched it? Oh, I'm in heels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, yes, I know, but I mean, watch if you watched it, it like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watched I mean, it I watched, from, like, I watched after, the first three episodes, after. and then I haven't home very much. Yeah. This crazy wrestling whirlwind we're in right now. So, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna binge it one day and finish the whole thing because I, I liked it. It's it's different. Um, I saw Ricky Morton last week. We were doing like a seminar tryout thing for Impact at his school. He didn't tell me how much he hated it because it's not our business. And I, I, I see his point to that. I also think it's pretty damn entertaining as well. That's, and that's why I brought it up because yeah. my non-wrestling friends, like I'm a college professor, so right. I have people that are other college professors sure. who don't watch right, wrestling exactly. who are watching this, sure. and then they come to work and want to ask me about it. And I just think it's funny like it's, it because is. they would have never turned on you know Monday night or Wednesday night TV yeah. or whatever, but they tune into this they because do. of the entertainment. And they're like, is this that thing you do? And I'm like... Kind of, yeah. You know? <laughs> sort of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's great. It just shows that uh, more and more as the years pass by and as we feel this resurgence of pro wrestling or this new frontier or whatever we're moving into, we're crossing into mainstream. You see these top guys that are branching off and they're becoming the biggest stars in movies in Hollywood and you see shows about pro wrestling. Like, I thought it was really cool when Glow came back yes. and it was on Netflix and Chavo was a really good buddy of mine he was doing all the wrestling stuff for the it's just like it's crossing over which is cool it's really not, sad it's they not didn't just the like, little stepchild that nobody talks to anymore in the entertainment yeah. world it's, it's got a place I mean you look at guys like The Rock and John Cena and I mean they they started trailblazing all that, but now this resurgence of pro wrestling. I think you're just going to see more of it right now. So it's, it's cool that we're, we're part of the part of the conversation. Real quick, if I can just follow up on that. I know we don't have that much time, but uh, Dan mentioned he hadn't really been watching a lot of WWE. And uh, one of the things that I told him that it would behoove him to watch was the uh, cinematic uh, Undertaker AJ Styles match. I told him at that year's WrestleMania, that was probably for me the most entertaining part. And also your cameo, you and Machine Gun, because cameo in that when you, uh, you know, kind of ambushed them. You mean whenever I was in the main event of WrestleMania and got fired a years later? Thanks for bringing it up. No. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it was really interesting. I think Matt Hardy did the cinematic at first. Yes. And killed it, because we all watched it the first time. Like, what was that? When I watched it again, I went, that was cool. When I watched it the third time, I went, this is awesome. Yeah. I don't know what I just saw. And then the pandemic had a lot of the cinematic stuff, but that, that, that took 11 hours to shoot that match because his arm gets busted real early on that limousine. That was real on the hearse. And he's old school, so they would pack it with gauze and they would hold on to it for a couple minutes. We'd go back and start shooting it and start gushing again and stop. I mean, it took all wow. night to do that. That was, that was where I was going. Was how long did that whole ordeal? It took about, it took about 10, 10 and a half hours. Wow. I mean, it was, it was a pretty grueling night. I mean, those, guys were, those guys were going. They had to... It's like shooting a movie, but it's live action because it's wrestling. You're getting hit. You're falling through stuff. And then, all right, we're going to shoot that again from a different angle. This dude just crashed through a wall. Now we got to build another wall. Here we go. Link his arm up. Wham! <laughs> it's funny that you said that about Matt, about how you watched it a couple times, because that's the same way I processed it when Matt stuff. Like, the first time I saw it, I was like, and I was like, Literally, like, yeah, let me watch that again. Yeah, yeah. we have but such. It was, it was exactly right. like that and for me too. Where after no, a couple Matt, times, and I was like, this is so good. Yeah. So we were in. I'll never forget when I saw the first time. We were in Sumo Hall, Ryu Goku, in Japan, working for WWE, and we put it up on someone's laptop. Because we're watching. We're watching. We're like, what? And Carl turns to me and goes, Oh, dude, I think Matt Hardy fell off the wagon again. <laughs> 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 
Right. And then after we watched it on the bus, I go, I think he's a genius. It's amazing. And, and from from our standpoint here, um, when all that was happening, then when Matt had reached out to me, like I was trying to book him and Jeff, and he said, hey man, listen, um, we're doing this thing where, you know, we can, you know, we're going around and like winning tag titles. Yeah. He said, I, um, I, I'd like MCW to be a part of this. Like, I'd like to get you a rub. And, yeah. like, and, and I was like, well, cool. And I was like, well, let's work it out. And, and, it, and I was, and it was because of that I had started to pay attention to like, look at this going and then we got the deal lined up, and then him, Matt and Jeff came in, and they won the MCW tag titles. You know, they teleported. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. And, um, but the but the thing was, it's the mo- I've never had like anticipation and buzz yep. for a show like with them. It's the only show where we actually we had to turn away like 200 people. That's awesome. We had like 1,400 people. The the the, the police officers that work for like Harford County. They basically had said, you have to stop letting people in. Like it was, uh, we had like 1,400 yeah, people up in our MCW arena, a couple hundred, like then we gotta stop, you can't yeah. let any more people in the room. And it was like, holy crap, man, like it was, it was a buzz, you know what I mean? It's just the buzz that they had. You know, the Hardy Boys are all, we're always over, oh, but on yeah. that, when that was going on, we did the deal and they won the- Well, Matt Hardy being a wrestler genius. Oh, he really did, yeah. Like, yeah. Man, it was like the biggest crime of all that for us as fans was the fact that Vince McMahon didn't understand. Didn't understand, yeah. I remember, like, we knew it was the Hardys, because we were buddies with Matt and Jeff, and they told us, but WWE even came to us to the day of WrestleMania. And they take us to this building outside the performance center. We go to a warehouse, they shut the doors, there's a guard, and I'm like, Guys, like nobody's out here for one. The garage door opens, we're all in there talking about this ladder match, and they pull up like a black suburban and blacked out windows. The Mark Brother goes, and the fourth game. Then Jeff, the Hardy Boys, where are you doing a presentation for <laughs> But I remember right away, we were like, everybody wanted to do that stuff because we knew it would be the most over thing. He was like, well, this just understand he, he didn't he didn't want him to do it. Then you watch that match. First year, that was one of the coolest pops ever. Was standing there right with the music. Because everybody knew. I've said that. Yeah, I was there. Dude, yeah, I, just I didn't know there. The I was like, look around. It's really nice. Yeah. And uh, they wanted it the whole time. They were you know, they then we're going around, and we, we went to England with them shortly thereafter, and we stayed married to them because we just dropped the titles. And that's all they wanted every night was that. They got so over. Then they aged over course of the night. I can't believe that. I'm like, why would we not let them do this? Obviously, yeah. they're not. And it was all Vince just didn't understand. Just, I guess he just didn't understand it for whatever reason. Yeah, I thought that was a shame. It was. Yeah. It was. Like, and at that point. Because it, it was it was white hot. Man. It was. And if you're listening and you enjoyed Boner, you should buy Top and Shop Mania and watch the Boner Sex Ferguson versus Chad Tumat <laughs> spoofed the fact that we got fired 11 days after WrestleMania and we did we built a graveyard in my own yard, bought a hearse, all kinds of other things, and we have our own version of the, uh, the Boneyard. The Boneyard. You can buy it on Fight TV. It lives forever. You can only imagine what the set pieces look like for that. Buddy, don't watch it with your kids, that's what I'm saying. All right, well, we, we, it looks like we're out of time. We gotta get this wrapped up, because we gotta get we gotta the go GMCW event. Right. <laughs> we gotta get, uh, Big LG's gotta get to the gimmick table. Hey guys, thanks a lot. Please keep supporting MCW. Please keep supporting Maryland Wrestling and Wrestlers. And most of all, like wrestling, enjoy it for what it is. Watch whatever you want, but keep watching Pro Wrestling. Thanks very much. For everyone here at MCW, we'll see you next week for another edition of the MCW Pass.